Hey everybody, this is Dave. I want to take a minute to tell you that what you're about to hear is the first iteration of We Build Down. It's a game about dwarven heroes trying to save their underground city. It's available to all of our $5 and up patrons, so if you're interested in getting it or looking at any of our other Patreon bonuses, go to patreon.com forward slash fandible. With that in mind, we would like to thank the following Patreon donors. Call Me Ishmael, Luke Trim, Strugglebus, Warren Cummings, Matt Lowry, Darcy Ross, HP Lovecraft Live, Jay Booth, Matt Benjamin, and Saren Kai. Thanks for being the dwarven heroes we need. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Fandible.com Actual Play Podcast. I am Dave, and I am bringing you once again into the realm of savage... No. Shatter... Also, (laughs) definitely not. I'm bringing you into a game that has only just been created. Still in its infancy, crawling out of its larval carapace and hoping to become a beautiful butterfly, but underground... So I guess we're still talking Larva. This is We Dig Down, made by me. Yay! So, yeah. David, yeah. Uh, David, the game creator. David, the game creator for a genre and a people's and a, and a, a heritage uh, term I'm using instead of race for, for fantasy, which I like more. Um uh, that you are actually a special specialist of Jesus. So I will judge you harshly. <laughs> I Dude, did like been... that when we announced this game, everyone's response was, wait, David wrote that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so We Build Down uh, is a game based on, entirely based on dwarves. Uh, and the scenario is simply that dwarves turned away from the rest of the fantasy realm uh, and decided to answer a calling that was deep within them, that was uh, inescapable and began to uh, infect itself in all of their uh, thoughts and desires and civilization. And they decided to answer it, and it brings them down further into the earth, further into the soil, ever downwards. But it also ignited their passion as a people and making them these, these grand creators of these absolute breathtaking things also making them more passionate about their their purpose in life and uh giving them a an understanding a grim determination of answering this call that goes down without entirely sacrificing who they are as a passionate creative people but also transforming them in some way and in every game the players in this case, it's going to be Jesus, Angela, Billy, and Daniel are going to play champions of a city that has lost connection with every other dwarven city and has morphed into something that is now in peril. And these cities are uh, going to be unique in the fact that they are going to be randomly rolled on a chart. And then from those rolls, the players are going to decide what their investment is with their characters in the city. They're also going to uh, apply um, stats, which are simply uh, which are simply given to them. Um, they get to choose where they go. And then after that, it is simply, it's up to me to run the game. 
Now, this is a game that does not require rolling on the DM's part. I'm sorry, not the not the DM, uh, but the trial master. Um, because I want everything to sound like some sort of Rammstein video. Uh, and so let's begin. Uh, does everybody have D6s or some sort of D6 roller? Yes. Indeed. Yes. Okay. Awesome, awesome. Um, in which case, we are going to tear a page out of this book. And we are going to begin with rolling for where you come from. So this is all entirely based on the players. Now there are 12 options, but you're rolling D sixes. And that is simply so if you roll on something and you want to find out what else you can have two choices. Uh, I didn't want to be grim and just boom D six. That is what you get. Uh, or D12, that's what you get. So you get two choices. Who wants to roll for building the sunken city, the place that you love, or at least are trying to save? Your relation with the city is entirely up to you. I'll roll for it. Cool. All right. All right. So it's 2D12? Uh, 2D6. 2D6, I mean. Uh, that is nine. Okay. So what is the first? Um, what is the first dice? Oh, sorry. Six and three. Okay, so either your city is, uh, your city feeds on a fuel of grim origin, and the second uh, die was bring it, brings it up to nine, you said, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or it is running out of air. Feeds on a fuel of grim origin. Feeds on a fuel of grim origin. Yeah, I mean those are both good. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like I like the air, and I like the I like them both. I don't know if I would what I would have chosen. Mm-hmm. All right. Grim Origin. I feel like I feel like Fuel of Grim Origin and is running out of air is unfortunately what we in the real world are doing right now. <laughs> Boom! Got him. Yeah, Grim Origin. Fuel Grim Origin. All right, the next so your city, the city that you are coming from is subsisted on a fuel that everyone knows in some way shape or form is wrong. It has some sort of it has some sort of um, negative foul quality to it, but yet it is how you survive. Next is the role of our people, who wants to roll for what kind of people inhabit the city that subsists on a fuel of grim origin. I will roll, and it's two d six. Yep. So roll one, and then roll another. Okay. The first one was a two. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. So either your people are. Your people cannot sleep. Or. And then I add it to the other one. Two plus six mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. eight. Or your people are beginning to worship a dark and malevolent being. So one is literally mm -hmm. the shortest sentence, I think, that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> and one is. I mean, if we have a really bad uh, fuel source, I'm going to say we're starting to worship something dark. Love it. Nice. Okay. I love it. Love it. Nice. And Dan's like, yeah. I like cannot sleep better. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I like cannot sleep. I mean, I really like the idea of not sleeping too, but 
No, I I like the idea of like whatever we're fuel we're using as fuel is slowly making it corrupting us yeah, into no, uh, worshippers of a dark something. We are using something. our sleep. That's what we can. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that sleep is the most precious resource. Says True one enough. of the two parents. Very <laughs> exactly. very indicative of twenty twenty, where people are like, right. characters please, can't sleep. Please just give us just let me just let me rest, please. <laughs> give us something that's fantastical, David. Um, this is supposed to be my pretendy fun times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we worship a dark and malevolent being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so finally, uh, you are rolling for your trial, and your trial is what is known to be uh, in your way. It is, uh, it it is what lingers, and uh, uh, it is what is threatening your people and your city. Who would like to roll for that? I'll roll it. All right, give me two d six. And tell me the first one, and then add to the second one. The first one is two. Okay. Um, so, oh my, my, my. I have a lot of tabs open that have nothing to do with this game. Not porn. Just looking up current events, which is why I wrote this game as sad as I did. <laughs> um, so, all right. So a two is our trial either demands blood sacrifice or I, got, I feel like if my therapist read this, he would be like, can we increase our sessions? Um, or uh, just a second. S- save so, the, the United States Postal Service. Oh my God. <laughs> I would go through this entire trial if that was the outcome. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, the other, I rolled a four, so that brings me up to six. Ooh. Or so either our trial, your trial, demands blood sacrifice or will slowly drain you. Which I feel like, depending on what definition of drain we have, could also uh, uh, answer the demands of blood sacrifice portion here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but I did not specify. I did not specify what it drains you of and uh, how. Mm, sleep, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with demands blood sacrifice. Nice. Okay. All right. So what we have so far is your city is of grim origin your people uh i'm sorry your city is fueled by a substance of grim origin your people worship a dark and malevolent being have begun to de- to so it is not the term uh, the phrasing there is um is uh are beginning to worship a dark and malevolent being it's not always been that way and your trial demands blood sacrifice. That is very straightforward. Very little nuance there. And finally, I, as the trial master, get to roll on one very specific chart, and I don't have to inform the rest of you uh, what that is. And that is the fate chart. And this gives me some idea of what the climactic end can be. And now I am going to roll for that. All right, so... Now we simply go on to making characters. It's a simple affair of looking at every hero has six stats. Um, so six, four, excuse me, four. I added two. We need to reprint this. Um, so every, every hero has four stats. Uh, they're simply passion, suffering, downward, and remembrance. And uh, very simply, uh, passion is your ability to create and also to inspire and to believe in the things that you do. 
suffering is your physicality trait effectively and also your ability to withstand the hardships of being a hero and a dwarf mentally and physically downward is the understanding of the calling that afflicts your entire people and always will and is also your uh, bravery and understanding of going deeper into the into the unknown and remembrance is uh, your knowledge of both uh, of history and of lore and of conceivable magic and things like that of of the dwarven people. And simply put, you have six, five, four, and three to add to those. So uh, I don't know if anybody wrote that down or if you guys have the character sheets in front of you, which were expertly expertly created by uh, William Coffin. Thank you so much. Uh, I think for maybe like maybe the 2.0 or 1.5 version will release what I sent Billy with an idea. <laughs> it's like It was the scribblings I, of a madman. I cannot believe he actually spun gold out of that straw because that was nonsense. Okay, so I'm going because I'm going to be just a just a bastard. Uh, suffering 6, Downward 5, Passion 4, Remembrance 3. I will Beautiful. survive this no matter what. Beautiful. So uh, you are going to be a very tough, tough dwarf, surprising absolutely no one. I mean, honestly, that's what I'm – he took a lot of what I was going for. I got a uh, – I will be suffering six down – you know what? I'll, I'll take I'll, – I'll switch that up. I will take suffering five, downward six, passion three, and remembrance four. Cool. And as a reminder, these are going to be the dice you roll in rolls that are affected by the stat. So I'm going to do passion six, downward five, suffering will be four, and remembrance is three because someone I mentioned fucking magic. I I'm just like, nope, word. cut that yeah. stat. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. That's a I was, yeah, I, I was going to sign you. The, the mage and just lie <laughs> lie right to this camera right to my friends and be like i made everybody characters um which leaves us with dan <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll be a wizard uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it's the first time we're, we're we're playing this game for the first time everybody play what exactly what you want to play mm -hmm. so i like that like david has has made has kind of like stepped on on jesus's niche here it's like i'm gonna make the dwarf games like watch it i'm gonna make the most magical fucking game <laughs> fandible has ever seen i'm oh. sorry dan please go ahead no i love it <laughs> uh, i'll take remember six uh downward five passion four suffering three i do enough suffering already okay <laughs> so as long as everybody has that written down Last thing we need to do, aside from naming, you'll notice that I didn't put that on this list of things to do, um, because why bother? That's the part y'all are going to skip. Everybody skips that. Uh, is that Artifacts of Renown, every dwarf. Uh, do y'all have the PDF by any chance? Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get the PDF. Okay. Um, in which case, I will just assign since it'll be easier for everybody. Uh, okay. I will I will just assign uh, equipment. Now, equipment, every every player gets two pieces of equipment, and these things later on allow the dwarf to persevere and to endure the hardships of hero heroism 
and to move on, but they're always sacrificed in some meaningful way. And these are not simply items. These are things that greatly represent the pride of your city and of its craft and of its passion and its bravery. Uh, so starting with Jesus, um, because I wrote this exactly with you in mind, oh. you have a battle axe that recites the entire lineage of the wielder in a low whisper, <laughs> which I is like probably the most metal thing I think I've ever written. <laughs> and I can like go back to just mm-hmm. running Shadowrun games. Love it. Um, I could see you trying to hide and it says, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> In twenty five thirty five, the the grand clan fought against the dwarves of iron. Shut the fuck up! It was pretty dope, though. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's like a whisper that like somebody who doesn't know how to whisper in a theater uses. <laughs> yep. Oh. And um, he was on a hill, and there was a light. Shut the f- Mark. <laughs> um, Mark, you here? <laughs> Line. You know what your ancestors didn't do? Hide like you're doing, like a weakling. And then there's Grimdar the bitch. That's you. Um, uh, you also have uh, a clockwork hummingbird that follows you anywhere you go. Nice. Uh, Billy, you have um, gloves made from a skin of a monster found in an underground lake. And a throwing axe that will not rest until it has struck its target. Angela, since you're the wizard, let me pull these up. <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, because of the day you've been having, you have a small hand-sized barrel that produces whatever drink the carrier desires. Nice. Um, and you have... Oh, this is good. Prisoner shackles made from iron that have the prisoner's name engraved on them. Cool. And finally, Dan. And this is not because it's your birthday. But you have a skull of an ancestor that constantly emits blue smoke. Yeah, I do. Um, And you have a smoking pipe that gives its user a haunting baritone singing voice for exactly one song. Falling in my (laughs) (laughs) And I said (laughs) Oh my god, listeners, please, if there's a Baron like Dwarven Quartet singing for non blondes, please leave it in the comments. Um all right, so that is it. We are done with characters. Um Simply put, everybody should have six dice. Those are the maximum amount of dice you will be naturally rolling and some additional dice uh, for when you use uh, Saga dice. And Saga dice are simply a type of dice. It's a uh, an economy that you can use up to six dice and they add to your roll. But unfortunately, I get evil dice called, uh, evil dice, um, uh, called Doom Dice to use against you later on. I thought you. So, ju- I really just thought you called them evil dice. I thought you're gonna. Be I like, did call them evil dice because I was paging and I was I was like uh, paging. I was like moving the page, and I was like they're evil. No, it's a synonym for evil. It's bad. It's a yeah. bad. So you get naughty dice up to six. Six just frisky, frisky bad dice. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah. So we uh, so. If, are there any questions about how the game 
can go from here. Let's rock. I mean, do we do we have to establish as a group like what we're like what our source of uh, our city is? Do we? Um, you can you can help. I'm going to describe a lot of it based on. Uh, based on the roles. Oh, okay. So it's, you're you're going to craft like what cool. exactly? I Great. did not know what city you were going to be coming from until you made those. Roles. Cool. I wasn't sure if we we're like okay. This is what the like. Yep. The, it's spinach. Yep. Nope. But uh, what you can do is uh, just get an idea of what. Uh, first of all, names. I um, got mine. Ha ha. Suck it up. Beautiful. All and uh, some sort of um, profession. You don't have to be. There's no such thing as hero in this game. There are simply those who take up the hero's call or are thrust upon it. Uh, but considering that all dwarves are passionate, have an idea of what you make. It could be anything from a, a, a very eloquent letter writer that people seek out to someone who builds the stoutest columns out of the most uh, uh, the hardest wood. Um, and so we are going to begin. Your city's name is is Widow's Solemn. Widow's Solemn is a grandiose masterpiece deep underneath the earth that has moved hundreds of kilometers since its day that it broke away from the surface world. Uh, in what is simply known as the agreement, when a cluster of countless metropoli built by your people, all in unison and without a single nay, agreed to answer the calling that brought them deep into the earth. But after countless years, decades, and centuries, you have drifted away from those other cities and have been left on your own. Widow Solemn has needed to find its ability to sustain itself in various forms the wood that you create that you brought with you after a harried and difficult agreement with the elves and humans from the above world ran out generations ago the moss that you used in order to fuel your homes and to light your uh light your smithies ran out generations ago the animal fat of the stock uh, herd that you brought with you when a, uh, when a famine swept through Widow Solemn caused, the anim- uh, caused that source of fuel to run out generations ago. You have been left cold and in the dark, a once proud city huddled amongst the last dying embers of what you could have built and what you could be. And it is harmed the honor of all of your houses, all of your groups, all of your homes, down to the absolute last dwarf. And these things seem to ring the death knell for the place that you have called and your ancestors have called home. But then... There was a breakthrough. There was discovered a substance, viscous, yellow, luminescent, and highly flammable, but without smell or acidic texture. It was quite safe and also no smoke. It burned entirely clean and it could be 
used to fuel whatever your city desired. And now, where once darkness swept over the cobblestone streets, there are torches in front of every respectable home. Large candelabras hang above the uh, slums and shanty towns of those still trying to make their way, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become greater than they are, even illuminating those who cannot afford the substance themselves. But it has not come without a cost. You have read the scrolls of your families. You have heard the stories of the elders. And though many of them sing the praises of this miracle substance, some talk in low whispers of what it actually is. They say it's not natural. And to use it was a choice by your peoples, by those who would see you safe, that simply by pushing away a hardship from now, they have guaranteed doom much later, but they will say no more. It was 50 years ago, a short time in a dwarf's life, that the first bas relief showed up on the doorstep of the great church for uh, the god Thrum, of which you, uh, it's a god of ore and vein, and a god of digging, and a god of resilience. And this bas relief depicted a person whose face twisted in terror of no distinguishable uh, gender or even heritage, um, not dwarf, not elven. It was something that when you saw it, it was different for every person. But the, the un- indisputable fact was that it was a face twisted in fear and underneath it was written in rune. Only fear what you do not possess possess power kneel to me more started showing up across your town across your city now illuminated now now drinking in this uh rejuvenation of uh, capability of digging ever downward which is your people's desire and slowly over time people stopped saying throne be with you and started saying possess power. And they would simply say, possess power over and over until it became the de facto saying of your peoples. This is alien to you. You are all easily 200, 250 years old. You remember a different time and possess with possess power came religious bickering and it hasn't always been clean. But with the social unrest of a new God with this quiet concern for the prosperity of your, of your city has come a new, a terrible plight upon your people and your home. And that is simply those who worship this new God, who is simply known as the new God have decried that there is a catastrophe coming and that champions are needed in order to avert this disaster. And sadly, the disaster must be averted by blood. Specifically, that something must be brought to the summit of a deep, deep hill 
some ways away from the city and sacrifice there. And then everything will be fine. And when they made this proclamation, there was much unrest. And that is when the fuel ran out. And the lights of your city have started to go dark. The fires of your smithies have started to burn out. And the time from before that you read from your ancestors have started to rear their ugly head. And no longer does anyone disagree with the members of the Church of the New God. Blood must be spilt. And heroes must be raised. And those heroes are you. Starting with Jesus, give me your name, a brief idea of what you do in the town of Willows Solemn, a very uplifting name, and where you are when you hear the bell of the Church of the New God ring. Uh, hey guys, this is Jesus, and I am playing Vangor Fangrim. He is a o- older dwarf, uh, ending of his close to the ending of his years, around four hundred years old. Uh, larger for a dwarf, a uh, thick grayish beard with numerous braids, all of them mismatched. Uh, he's wearing these dark gray leathers, uh, full of these old symbols of one of the old gods, Kalzak. Not seen as much anymore, but necessary, I believe, for my duties, for I work crafting the various stone coffins I am known for you to be dick. placed under. <laughs> oh, you what? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> crafting the various stone coffins that are placed within the walls that we <laughs> dig down. And again, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I love it. I, no, I love this. Uh, I mean, right. if there's unrest, I feel like we might need more than one casket maker. <laughs> I'm going to have a job forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're both but, playing the Undertaker. Yeah. And I was there. Uh, crafting uh, the final coffin for a family of four that had died in a fire, placing them within the stone to be at peace with Kalzak, perhaps the last followers I will ever see when I hear the bell and start walking, shuffling over there. And the bell is not a natural bell. The bell sounds like a reversed reverb bell. Instead of striking loud and then getting softer, it is the opposite. Uh, It is... strikes softly and then assaults your ears and almost shifts the wind around you as you hear it. All right. Thank you. Uh, so Vangor Fangrim, who worships Kalazak and is a coffin maker. All right. And uh, Angela. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, uh. I so have... Vangor Fangris is there. <laughs> uh, my name is, this is Billy and I'm playing Brontok, the shamed one. And my mission or occupation within this city is to go to be the person that they send first into the veins of the, in the cracks of the rock. This shamed is not spoken by many. It's just known that I have committed a crime that means my life is forfeit and to be used for the city. So they send me deeper and deeper. But I keep on coming back, mapping those deep crevices 
in places that we can dig. And I hear the bell as I approach the gates of the city. Uh, a freshly rolled map clutched in my bloodied knuck- hands. My body filled with scrapes and wounds and dirt. Worms digging deep into my scalp. But I keep on walking. And as I walk, people step aside. Not looking at the shamed. Bron- All right. Talk Th- the shamed. Bron- Bron talked to the shamed one who's sent deep into the rock and uh, you, a a slang for your term is known as a deep seeker, which is uh, coincidentally also a very derogatory slur for another dwarf. So uh, thank you, Billy Bron talked to the shamed one. Now, Angela, unless you want to wait for Dan to go. No, I can go. I'm ready. Hey everyone, this is Angela, and I am here leaning into the day that I've had and the equipment that David gave me, and I am playing Lileni the Brewer. She comes from a long family line of of brewers and ale masters, uh, the, the people who, you know, my family has seen unrest my family has seen schisms among people we have seen new gods come and go but at the end of the day everyone needs a drink everyone comes to the tavern so where Lileni works uh and certainly you know there are other taverns there are other brewers and ale masters in widow's solemn but none of them have a barrel that will produce any drink that the bearer wants so there, everyone knows that there's a little something special when you come to to Lilleni's, uh, because once her her mother passed, uh, the name of the tavern became you know Lilleni in, uh, inherited it herself, and so the tavern now bears her name. And it is at the end of another long shift that is when the the bells start to toll, and as it does, Lilleni finishes wiping down the bar before she tans the towel off to the the night shift and uh goes to see what's going on okay thank you Lilleni, the bartender the brewmaster of Lilleni's tavern dan uh birthday right. boy i can only imagine this shit's gonna jump the track so lay it on yeah me. Yeah, yeah yeah so uh you know it, 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 Camera, if you will, comes in in a dark alleyway on the you know, uh, not the not the nicest side of town, and there is so uh, it's known as of, the, it's known as the Candelabra District. All the yeah. the poor areas that can't afford their own streets emblazoned with their own uh, torches. Yeah, well, there's a dark alley in there, and uh, and from the dark alley <clears throat> in the Candelabra and uh, uh, the Candelabra District. Uh, there's the sound of uh, somebody getting the, just the shit utterly kicked out of them. Uh, just... And then there's the sound of a chain hitting the floor. And a satisfied... And out from the alley walks a stout dwarf. Gray of beard, about, about as wide as he is tall. And uh, and from a heavy chain swings a uh, a skull, from which the uh, the eye sockets constantly drifts a blue smoke drifting up into the into the darkness of the caves above, uh, set around the uh, the skull itself, 
are several jagged shards of diamond blades. Uh, and he just kind of swings it casually as blood drips from some of the blades. He is humming to himself in a deep baritone voice, a pipe clenched between his teeth. And what he's humming is an old, uh, an old hymn from the uh, the early church of uh, what was the name of the the, the god? Uh, Thrum. Thrum. Yeah. Thrum. Thrum. Yeah. Thrum. Thrum. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, expand Thrum a little if you allow it. Uh, uh, Absolutely during, not. Yeah. No, this is a role playing heavy game. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> during the, during uh, Throm, uh, he was uh, often known as uh, the Diamond Heart. Uh, for for the church taught that as we dig down, we dig closer to the heart of the world, a heart of diamond, the heart of Throm. Um, and so he he's humming an old hymn to the Diamond Heart, uh, and he, from his neck a chain swings with the. Uh, mark of a priest of the diamond heart uh because as you said there's been a little bit of uh uh, uh what is it a conflict between the the old faith and the new and to, uh to put it lightly it has been mostly bloody on behalf of the of the church of the old gods and and or our, excuse me of the new god and our good priest of the diamond had uh, diamond heart murgad matmato is uh is firmly on the side of oh they want to fight oh we'll bring it murkid magnato murkid magmato as in magmato i was waiting for dan to say like yeah and this giant dwarf comes out you know looking badass and behind him, laying a trail of blood, <laughs> is Murgid Magnet. Ah, <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Saying, like, come back here, you coward! Why did I have to peep and poop at the same time? I didn't know that was possible! Can I borrow your pants? Oh, I did it again! Oh, God. Sorry. And that does amazing. Well, <laughs> well, this is a really a, quite a predicament. Um, and the Church of the New God, I really keep my own notes, um, the Church of the New God bell sounds, and you can feel it in your bones. Uh, the God of Throm, uh, the Diamond Heart, uh, and also on occasion, Kalazak, um, would... Uh, the Kalizak, the god of the sleeping and the deceased, uh, they would have normal bells, and to create their bells would be this this uh, amazing thing to be bestowed upon a family or a uh, or a union of blacksmiths. No one knows where the Church of the New God got their bell, and it rings, and everyone starts. People literally stop what they are doing, pack their things into their bag, and if they cannot, they simply set them down and unroll over their stalls a scroll that simply says, the bell rings. And it says, seize power. And everyone starts walking towards the center of the city, the center of Widow's Solemn. And you see there the grandiose doors made to look like countless skeletons piled one on top of another until the very precipice of the massive door that reaches 18 feet high seems to be reaching up for something. And it's the 
it seems to be when the doors are closed, they are reaching up for the bell itself. But when the doors are open, it casts a light from one of the illuminated, uh, from one of the, uh, uh, from one of the, the, uh, the wicked illuminations of the, uh, of the glowing, um, candelabras, excuse me. And it casts this wicked shadow over, over everyone looking like they're being clawed apart by skeletal hands. And the doors are open and everyone is beckoned inside and inside there is the mayor of the city, the eldest one, um, Grulak. Grulak, but the A has an umlaut and no one knows why, but it's, you know, he runs the place, so he'll do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, Grulak is the mayor. Mayor is a is a term that you took with you from the uh, top from the top world, and it's it's stuck. And then next to him is simply the nameless one, and that is the head of the Church of the New God. Everyone collects inside, and Grulak says, "My people, we have all heard the stories." We have all heard the, I, the, the things that must be done. And we have lived through much worse. But this time requires more. Requires sacrifice and bravery. Now, as we all know, the light is dying in our city. The fuel is running dry. And we cannot subsist or survive without it. We will not die in the dark. I, as your mayor, will not allow it. With the assistance of the Nameless One, we have read the stones and the bones. And you notice that he flits his eyes a little when he says bones. And I, we, have found that the fates have elected four of us to be the champions of this city and to rescue us. And be glorious in their in their passage through time and into and into their fate. It is with a solemn heart and a, and a grief for what they will encounter, but a knowledge that they will survive. Vangor Fangrim come to the front and to the pulpus. Vangor was half listening. He as he usually half listens to the ramblings of the mayor. His, his head pops up. He's like, what? And your act says, Fangor, Fangrim. And then starts reciting all of your lineage. <laughs> yeah. I slowly stand up, putting my hand on my axe to shut it up again. And I start walking towards the front. I am here. Good. Braun Stack, the shamed one. Uh, Braun Talk. Uh- Braun Talk, excuse me. Is already standing up. He already knew that this was going to be something that he was caught upon, it seemed. So, honestly, when Vangor was summoned, uh, Brontok was already starting to make his way from the back towards the front. And by the time they say his name, they look up from the scroll or the tablet and they just see him standing there, covered in filth. And he just has a dead look in his eyes and he just steps uh, to wherever they're beckoning him to stand. And he looks back towards the, the city's people who are kind of averting their eyes. The young ones probably aren't, but they haven't learned yet. And he just kind of stares off at them. Again, dead, 
dead to them, it seems like. And mm. they dead to him. Yep. No one no one even looks at you. Um Leleni, the brewer, um, patron and owner of Leleni's Tavern. And that gets a reaction. Primarily because Leleni's because... standing there going like, wouldn't want to be one of these suckers. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple of places that people go after service. You're one of them. <laughs> so that's kind of like saying like, oh, by the way, the Starbucks is going to be closed during lunchtime. <laughs> and like an entire office building is like, fucking kill me. <laughs> Lily, Back when we I'm had sorry. office buildings. Uh, it says that women get two for one drinks on Thursdays. <laughs> that can't be right. That's too good of a deal. <laughs> nope, that's true. Lilini Inn and Tavern. Two for one on Tuesdays. Please come you would on. Have, you would have to be crazy to have deals this <laughs> deep. <laughs> you would also have to be crazy to approach the pulpit. <laughs> But, you know, Leleni's family has done what has been best for Widow Solemn for generations. Generally, that has been assisting in letting them, for, helping them forget their troubles. But when she is called upon to do what's right for her people, she is called upon and she approaches the podium. They acknowledge you. Uh, there was some... Um... There's some murmuring in the pews and the pews are these massive stone pews that are actually built. Um, they're actually, they're actually stacked like a high school gymnasium on either side. So when you step down, you actually have to walk to the back and walk to the front. It's basically a nightmare. Um, it's just spirit week every week here at, here at Widow Solemn. Uh, that's a, that's a quote. Merkit Magato, the priest of Throm, approached the pulpit. And Merkit uh, looks like startled for a moment. Then he narrows his eyes, kind of looking up at the mayor and just mutters <laughs> under his breath, <laughs> like, I knew they'd get to you eventually. <laughs> and uh, and just stomps his way up for, towards the pulpit. Yeah. You four, continues uh, the mayor, have been Selected by the fates, by the gods, in order to release us from this horrible affliction. We have reason to believe that your lineage is the key to escaping this fate. We need you to take this item... And he looks towards the nameless one. The nameless one hands him a satchel. Satchel's about bread box size, honestly. And hands it hands it to He's going to hand it to um Vangor Fangram. Mm-hmm. I take it. Keep this well. It's heavy. It feels like it's stone. Um keep this with you, keep it safe. Down below this city, in tunnels we have only just struck, there are holes. And down below, as other deep seekers have found, is a small mountain, the precipice of which reaches up to the very stalactites that reach down from the glorious 
ceiling of stone. And this thing must be crushed there. And may I ask if it's not too much trouble? What no. this may be. And as soon as uh, as soon as the nameless one answers, uh, the axe just to my mind simply simply whispers, Van Gore Fangrim, last of his line. I love it. I love it. All right, and the mayor uh, the mayor looks up and says, "All right." Grulak looks up. All right, you will be guided out of the city. You will be brought to the north. And there you will find the solemn road to the deep veins. Deep Seeker, you are familiar with them? Uh, Brontok nods his head, um, not not speaking, because that's not his thing. So he just, but he does give a curt nod. Well, then there's only one other thing to do. And Grulak claps his hands and looks at all of you. Who is going to give the speech? <laughs> Murga looks around. Yeah, Murga like just like smiles up and is taking a step forward. Though, if any of you have met him, I'm not sure you you think this is a Van good idea. Vangor is silent. Wait, there was a speech to be made? Nobody told me that there was going to be speech making. It crosses all of your minds. The last time that heroes were needed was centuries ago. So that's kind of saying like, all right, now we're going to do the dance of the soldiers. <laughs> right, everybody? Yeah. And be like, you mean like back in World War II with Captain America? Because fuck all. Uh, so yes. So Murad steps up for the speech without any prompting. Yep. Steps up and he looks out over the crowd and he uh, reaches into his shirt because uh, he had, when, you know, stepping inside, he had put away his holy symbol. He reaches into his shirt, pulls out the holy symbol of Thrum, <laughs> lets it thump out on his chest. Yes. Yay. So when we save this city and come back, I just want you all to look at this thing right here, remember? Whose god did that? Right, let's go. Dan, I'm going to need you to roll your passion. Yeah. So how many dice is that, Dan? Five. I adjusted my... Once I realized I was a priest, I adjusted my stats a little. So I'm six remembrance, five passion, four suffering, three downward. Okay. So, yeah, I roll my passion. Let's see. Okay, well, I've got two sixes, two fives, and a three. That is a hell of a roll. Yeah. All right. So, with such a... with A success is a success. Um, so, with that success, do you add any sort of uh, eloquence, alliteration to any of that? You have a chance to take a dig at the new... The Church of the New God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean... Uh, Yeah, you sure, go all sure like Baptist preacher for a second, like yeah. dab your head with a cloth. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, he turns like, he goes like, no, actually, one more thing. And, and he, there's a sigh from the nameless one, like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, and he just goes on a, a, 
he, he doesn't keep it. He doesn't go on for like half an hour or anything. But there's a couple of minutes there where he's basically he's going like, I remember when all of you, and I'm looking at you back there. Oh, I'm looking at you. I see you. I remember seeing you in service. Oh, yeah. A lot of us remember. A lot of us remember. And when we come back, when we come back, the light of the diamond heart will shine with us. Vangor smiles. And the mayor says, Well, uh, I meant the speech of remembrance and salvation, but... Yep, that yep, those are basically the themes in my remembrance. Do. Remember who the good gods, who the official, who the real gods are. And salvation, that's what I'm going to bring back. Thank you, Merkit Magado. And thank you to all of you. Please go with the soldiers to the Northern Roads. And you are ushered out to the Northern Roads. Before we go, I must go collect something from my home. Necessary for my journey. You are escorted by yet another retinue of guards. In fact, any of you can go anywhere before your journey, but you are always escorted by a retinue of four guards. I feel so safe. Brontok is just, he goes to where he needs to go and he just waits. Yep. The the guards explain, like as they walk, they explain in what is absolutely convincing manner. You are to be protected because you are so important. Thank you for your service. Can't wait to see you one day at my job. And I go into my home. Oh, nice. <laughs> I go I go into my home and close the door in front of the guards because it's my fucking home. They're not coming in. Mm-hmm. And as I walk in, I slowly uh, go to the back room. I sit in front of, I uh, go on my knees in front of a small shrine to Kalazak. Kalazak, the image of Kalazak is a, just a hooded uh, dwarf, the face completely covered and just, a, just completely black in shadow. And up above it, on top of the shrine, there is the, a small clockwork black hummingbird. And I put put it down. And it is an old device. No longer, no one really can produce them anymore. The, Cal, the Maybe the belief in Kalazak isn't as strong as it used to be, or maybe we lost the skill. Uh, Vanguard doesn't know for sure. But he does know that there's a price for using such a powerful device. And he closes his eyes and sort of breathes into this small black hummingbird. As he breathes into the hummingbird a month's worth of good dreams, leaving only nightmares for the next month. And the bird starts to flick, flicker to life and starts humming uh, and starts to fly around him. Uh, Vangor takes his axe and just points at a wall and the bird instantly turns to a dart that hits the wall. Then <laughs> flies back around him. Roll me remembrance to pray to your god oh. in a city that has turned away from it. Fair enough. Ooh, two fives and a three. I got a match. All right. Two fives and a three. Your faith holds. Mm-hmm. And you walk out back to the soldiers. And the black bird flying around me. They, man, <laughs> considering the day that they've had it mass, it's <laughs> fine. Whatever. Take your fucking bird. Uh, all right. You and retro Dr. Doolittle, all of you go. <laughs> To the northern gate, and you are escorted out into the northern roads. The northern roads, north, south, east, west, all takes a strange uh, composition. 
in the underground cities because long has it been known that the idea of a compass cannot work. Magnetic frequencies are simply no, they are known to you. They were not known to the people up, but they didn't care because dwarves are just really smart and no one gave a shit. That's why you left. And, uh, but there's just too much magnetism all around. So every city, uh, applies north, east, west, south, and also it changes with the ruling class. Um, and so this this uh, centuries north is a grim, soot-filled tunnel that leads away. The skyline is illuminated by luminescent veins in the rock that lead to a hole of complete pitch that you know goes down. And this would be the equivalent of walking along the highway and then being told to walk through the Midtown Tunnel here in New York in a f- in a blackout. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It should be perfectly safe. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it's most likely perfectly safe. You feel one drop of goddamn water, though. <laughs> and so, yeah, you are led there and then you are you are. You are faced with the yawning darkness. Now, all of you have items that you think you would have, including torches, weapons, things like that. The items of importance are your artifacts. Uh, Bron talk pulls off his pack it's busted and torn fabric he's probably had the same pack for decades and he opens it up and he pulls out a jar of this gross glowing goo and he just rubs it along his face and then presses his hand against the wall and leaves a smear mark and it's basically going to help him kind of navigate through this darkness all right and he then turns towards the others and offers them the jar to see if they want to put this goo on it. And you think for a second this is the fuel that your your city is known for, but it smells like death. Like, it is a heavy decay smell of it. I'm used to it. I, and Van Gogh grabs it. Uh, Van Gogh, you'd probably know what this is. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the snails and slug slime that uh, occasionally consumes our dead. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, he's figured out a way to basically use some of their properties to make a luminescent glow out of it. Clever. All right. So it's it's luminescent. It paints your faces. So it illuminates wherever you look, much like the uh, you have seen illustrations of the old helmets that your ancestors and their ancestors would wear that would be lit by a flame and then a reflector to show where they were walking. Oh, <laughs> simpler times. Now we use slug slime and you'll, you very much notice all of you that while the soldiers had torches made of the fuel, none of them offered them to you. Hmm. I offer the jar to Lilina Lilina, to see if she wants to take it. I'm good. Thanks. And then he go, he's going to offer it uh, and keep his gaze lowered a lot more towards uh, the priest. And he kind of kind of bows as he offers it to him. Yeah, Murgut kind of wrinkles his nose a little, but then like, <clears throat> thank you. And uh, yeah, just grabs a handful. And then Brontok uh, immediately corks what's remaining of the jar, stands up, throws his pack over his shoulder, 
and he's going to be marching into the darkness without a fear, or at least he's going to attempt to walk in that darkness to lead them without fear showing. I'm glad you said it is an attempt because I am going to need a downward roll from whoever is being on point and whoever I'm, is leading. Yes, uh, that would yep. be me. So I have a six and down and in it. Mm-hmm. So my goal is I want to get um, matching numbers and you want to avoid having half of ones. So three ones, even if, you have three ones, which would be matching, is actually considered a disastrous roll. Oh, not a problem. I got two sixes, two fours, a two and a five. Beautiful. You march downward and the the illumination is not a problem whatsoever as you head into the gloom. You march for what seems like roughly an hour. At a good pace. Dwarves do not wind easily. They do not tire easily. And there is a there is an entire cultural acknowledgement of the weight that people bear when they are heroes that nips at your heels when you start to uh when you start to slide backwards. Uh Lenny's contribution to this this loadout here is uh she has the the songs of the people have been passed down through her family. So some of them have been bastardized into drinking songs, certainly. You know, she would not claim that this is historically accurate, but still, you know, singing as a group, you know, it helps you keep up the pace. It takes your mind off of how long you've been walking, how hard this is, how dark it is. So that is her uh, attempt to boost the morale and keep everyone strong as the the weight of our our mission is settling on us. So the marching uh, the marching uh, uh, song is a well established thing in the real world and is fantastic, uh, just like the you know the sea shanty. Uh, so you are all marching on, and as you do through the gloom and uh, the grime of. Uh, where the pickaxes fell and the, uh, the 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 stone was carved out, it becomes more and more crude as you go on. And though your voice, uh, Leleni, uh, uh, is uh, is singular and ringing out occasionally with Vangor, Murgad, and Brontak chiming in when they know the chorus, uh, you not know, Brontak. Like, yep. Sorry, not Brontok. Um, with the other two. Occasionally when they know the chorus. Like when you sing a pop punk song and people are like, I remember that one. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> you notice you, uh, Lileni, uh, Lileni, uh notice that you hear something else amongst your voice. A skittering sound. And you look and you notice that the illuminescent veins of ore have long passed and I need you to roll passion to either passion to maintain people's focus to moving or downward in order to assess the threat. Um, I want to keep us moving. Uh, passion is my top stat. So let's see how this goes. I have... Let's see. Uh, I got a pair of sixes. And also I my my so I had two sixes, a three and a two, and then I have a pair of ones. Do those if they're not 
half. All right, so ones are just you, Ghidorah. Yeah, you only have to worry about ones when um, when it is half. Uh, I just round. wanted to see if that pair counted in my favor. Uh, it does, but there's really only the necessity for one success right. right now. So you keep moving down and you hear a skittering and you move. Well, Lenny sings louder. She's going to cover up the sound of that for everyone else. That's that startles everyone. But her but her, you know, her, her enthusiasm for a drinking song is not a far fetched thing for the woman uh, who who owns the tavern and is often drinking in the back of service. And you reach an end to the tunnel as it squeezes inward into a small sliver in the rock where all of you would know would know that means that that is where tunneling has ended and they have simply cracked open a cracked open an area for someone to squeeze through engage what the severity of danger is on the other side. That is a common practice amongst your city. Dave, I established when I was coming back uh, in the first scene that my character was coming back from a fresh vein that he had been mapping. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could this be that vein? This could, absolutely. Absolutely. You remember remember when they stopped you uh, from working and you remember another dwarf taking a sledgehammer to the wall of stone and opening something that maybe a child could crawl through, uh, and then calling it good, and then fucking off because it's not going to be them through the hole, right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Bron talks, steps towards the hole, and holds out his hand, allowing for that slimy glow to cast over it, and you see bits of hair and scraped off skin uh, along the, the 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 worn stone, and then he reaches in deeper. Um, feels around for a second and then pulls out uh, what seems to be uh, some sort of like moss and he just starts rubbing it along his skin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, he's going to offer the moss towards everybody else. Um, Just basic moss, but it seems like it's, he's trying to basically lube yourself up in order to get through this thing. Yeah. That's the point of this game. (laughs) (laughs) Vangor. Eventually grabs the boss. Very well. As you grab uh, the moss, he is going to grab your hand, and then his eyes uh, are going to drift down towards the satchel that was given to you, and then he's going to raise an eyebrow as if questioning, like, aren't you curious what it is? Very. But I'm waiting. I look towards uh, Murgad as to see if he's willing to accept that. Murgad, he's... He's looking a little thoughtful, like he just kind of nods, doesn't really like, say much more. But yeah. And then Lily, uh, Lilena, are you cool with just walking uh, blindly through this uh, trial without knowing what we're taking? What do you have? Well, I was going to wait till later. And there's but... a... As a string of white webbing wraps around Vangor, the closest uh, fr- uh, who was is, who is accepting the moss from Brontok, but in positioning has wiped it on and then turned his back to the open cas- or to the open crack and started digging into his satchel and it wraps around his back and pulls him. 
yanks him and makes him fit into the hole, regardless uh. of physicality. Vangor, I'm going to need a suffering roll from you. <laughs> yep, this is this is something I'm familiar with. Uh, I've got two matches. Yep, I got a match. Any one? Two matches, actually. Uh, just one one. All right, cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> I am going to need a secondary suffering from you to see if you hold on to the object. Uh, okay, I've got three ones. No, no, wait, no, that's a two. Oh, thank <laughs> God. I was, my mind was like, w- w- my mind just went blank for a second. No, I got one match, but two. <laughs> I got one I match. I can't botch in a David game. No. <laughs> I, I can't I, I won't be David. No, <laughs> don't let me be David. No, no. All right, so you hold on to it yep. with the two twos. Yep. Um, and you, and all of you see Van Gore crack his shoulder. His, both of his shoulders fold into his chest. His head is wrenched down and his legs buckle in as he, he is origami folded into this small crevice. And he holds, he almost lets go of the package, but holds it tight. And Leleni, the, he's the, you're the last person that he locks eyes with. And he tries to say something before he is sucked through. Hey everybody, this is Dave from Fandible. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to hear more, go on over to Fandible.com and listen to any one of our many podcasts. I'm sure we've got some sort of genre that we've recorded that will absolutely tickle your fancy. If you're interested in following us on Twitter, we're at Fandible. Same thing with Facebook. And if you want to throw some shillings our way, then take a look at the Fandible Patreon. With the money, we keep this crazy train going by paying for equipment, going to conventions so we can meet you lovely, lovely people, and for paying Johnny Law off so they stay off our backs. Thank you very much for listening, and some something clever. Something clever. Nothing? No one wants to... I'm literally looking at four of my closest friends, and no one's... Thank you! Thank <laughs> you!